Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Subscribe on iTunes at Toddcast Podcast. Thank you so much for taking some time here to to uh, to join us uh, on the Toddcast here in Vancouver. We're excited, of course. Uh, on the 13th uh, of September next month, you're playing at the Clark Theater in Mission. Have you have you seen how cool that room is? You know, I've been touring for 22 years now, and I have a memory like this until i actually go back somewhere and then i'm like oh yeah and then i remembered my bass player said this when he was on this corner of the room and like it all kind of comes back but when i'm not there i don't yeah my my memory is not that great so i may have seen how amazing that room is oh you have played there before i don't know oh okay fair enough i'm also i'm also three and a half years sober almost four years sober and there's like so much that it's just like hmm good for you yeah. what was the reasoning for that a lot of people I'm just have loving myself different... more yeah, loving okay. myself more yeah you know well, liking cool. liking waking up in the morning feeling really good and you know liking remembering stuff mm. you know what uh you don't have kids right i don't have kids no i have yeah, nine godchildren what... though oh cool yeah that's what that's what did it for me having kids i've you know i mean i still drink i don't drink anywhere near as much as before and yeah you do feel just better you know yeah yeah like yeah. i find when i do drink now i'll probably binge drink not right. necessarily like have a couple two three beer a day but it'd be like you know have six or seven or eight or ten when i'm out with buddies right. or whatever but yeah 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 yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And, and talk about how good does it feel to be you know back playing your music for your fans for your friends like what a crazy yeah. couple of years, hey? Yeah, absolutely. And like, you know, Joni Mitchell said it best. You don't know what you've got till it's gone. And it's like, yeah, I've been touring since I was 17 years old. Mm. Um, so like 23 years, I'll be 40 this year. And it's like, I've, I've, uh, I've never had this long a period of time since I was 17, not touring. Mm. And just realized how much medicine it was for me. Because, you know, I know a lot of people say music is medicine for them, going to see shows, all of that stuff. But it's like, it's huge medicine for me as well, that being on that stage and having like that kind of conversation with the audience. Like it feels like it's a, it's a, a spiritual washing machine almost, <laughs> you know? <laughs> that's, a, that's a great album title. The spiritual washing machine. <laughs> yeah. Did, did you find that you lost your creativity at all during the, the pandemic or at least the desire to create? Pretty much the opposite. Really? Um, yeah. That's great. And because I, I ended up putting out this record during the pandemic. So it's been out for just over a year now. Right. Um, and creativity, I feel like flows for me when I get the chance to have stillness. And um, that's why, like, usually when I put out records, there's just, like three to five years in between each record because I need some time to have stillness in between. And I had such great stillness. And I feel like a lot of creativity comes from what happens after boredom. Uh, you know, and I feel like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, right. I feel like kids these days and like, 
the youth coming up, they, they're not really given that opportunity to be bored and to have to use their creativity to, um, to, well, because there's just so much happening so much, you know, I'm sure that there is mm -hmm. some, there are some, some youth that are able to do it, but it's like before the internet, before, you know, these things before, right. you know, having like five minutes of like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm really bored. <laughs> I'm, I'm just sitting, staring out a window. Like maybe oh, I'll scared. run to Dave's place and see if he's home or, you know, like. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to go outside and like, and that's when like creativity kind of starts flowing. And I felt like I had so much of that during, um, during the last few years. And cool. I started, a, I started a record label with my manager um, called Art House and we have a recording studio and we started doing all of these mental wellness programs Um we had a lot of time to be creative because everything was just online. Right. And so we kind of took that up as an opportunity to start our art house mental wellness programs where like once a week it was free and like youth and artists and people in the industry could come on and have, you know, group chats with really amazing therapists or doctors or, you know, teachers and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I learned how to play archery again i used to i used to do archery when i was a kid oh, okay um and i set you know i set it back up in my backyard i ordered myself a bow is it like got, riding a bike completely nice yeah completely um and just you know more time in nature and yeah hanging out with my you know my fam you know my people that yeah i mean if there's a positive if there's that silver lining in in the in covid in the pandemic it's definitely that you know, you get to hang out with your family and like, especially for me, I have like little kids still yeah. in elementary school. Right. So it was, and, and I was thankful, thankfully enough, uh, lucky enough to, to, I, I, one of the instructors at the radio arts course in, at BCIT, we worked from home. So yeah. I was seeing my family all the, I mean, I'm sure there was a lot of families that were like, Oh man, I'm seeing you too yeah. much, but, but it was awesome. Like yeah. in, in that regard, it was, it was pretty amazing. And it's great to, to hear because, you know, Serena, the, I've, I've probably talked to a hundred musicians in the, in the last couple, two and a half years on this podcast. And I would say a, at least a third of them were like, yeah, man, like I just couldn't, had no drive, no determination, had no initiative to do stuff. Like, it's great to hear that you are the opposite of that. Yeah. It was, it was like kind of another avenue that came, you know, it wasn't like I was writing a bunch and like, but what's my next record going to be and stuff? Cause I had already made a record before the pandemic had happened and I put it out during. Was um, there talk ever like, maybe we should hold off on this. Like we can't really tour. Like what's the point of putting out new music? Yeah, there was talk about it. We didn't quite know. We held off just a little bit, but it was like, for me, my dream has always been like, you know, not having to tour a lot and yeah. being able to, being able to still create and stuff. Cause it's not always been that way, but because I've been touring for so long that I was like, Oh, I'd love to create and not have to like never be home again. And right. so I was still able to do that. was able to put up this record and also able to, because it's a, it's an album about my mental wellness journey. It was really timely. And I felt really important message to be putting out during the lockdown when people were really, even people that hadn't struggled before with anxiety or mental wellness issues or whatever, everybody was struggling in some way. And so I thought that it was really important 
to be putting out and that everyone was on the internet. Everyone was on Instagram. Everyone was on different things, reaching out to each other. And, and I thought that it was a really great opportunity to be able to talk about what was happening right then, you know, yeah. for a lot of people too. So. Yeah. Good for you. That's great. Yeah. That's, that's re really cool. Mm. I'm, I'm curious, what was the music like in your house as a kid? Like, why'd you go down this route? Like, was it, you, you blame your parents for it or like, what's going on? Well, I kind of came out singing. Um, I, I got on stage for the first time at my, um, my stepsister's wedding when I was two years old, nice. I was, I was singing, like, I just knew the words beat it. And I sang beat it by Michael Jackson. And there's a picture of the band behind me. And on the kick drum, the name of the band was careers without college. Nice. So it was, you know, it was foretelling for me because I didn't graduate high school, but, um, cause I started touring, <laughs> right. but, uh, but yeah, so it is in, it is in my family too. Like my mom, uh, Barbara, she was a go-go dancer, backup singer, tambourine player. Oh, um, my dad, Spike, who raised me since I was three years old. He's been my dad. He's, he's a great guy. Yeah. Um, he uh, he used to listen to music all the time. Roger Miller, like so much. That was my favorite musician. Still is one of my favorites. Okay. Roger Miller, Culture Club, Julio Iglesias, Willie Nelson, Wham, like that kind of stuff. And then um, my uncle um who i never had the opportunity to meet his name was bob carpenter and he was a very very well-known folk musician would write songs for like tom rush and he put out a bunch of records emmy lou harris sang backups on his album um and then my biological father who i never met was um from trinidad and he was in a calypso band oh, no. called the, the trade winds and so yeah it's like fully in my family it's in your blood uh, yeah yeah 100 yeah so like you say you didn't finish high school you're playing out playing shows and stuff but like how old were you when you started your first serious like i'm doing this band uh band yeah like okay. putting together people you know like grabbing yeah. friends or whatever so, yeah. well my serious i'm doing this um like i started like i put out my first record when i was 15 okay it was wow. a tape. 15. yeah 15 and i made a tape in order to make enough money to make a cd and then i released a cd when i was 16 and then i had a full band put together by the time i was 17 um called the weak knees and it was with me dave tough greg roy bo dixon it was so much fun um and by the time i was 18 i was in a bunch of different bands doing like cover songs and different things like that. I was in like a Marilyn Manson cover band when I was like 13. <laughs> no. Yeah. Serious? And, That's awesome. Yeah. And just lots of different things like R&B, lots of slips in the high fives, hot buttered Charlie and the oils, like really interesting music. Nice. Um, and then by the time I was um, 19, Hoxley Workman um, and his manager, Sandy Pandia, I was 18 they heard me on the radio and he'd wanted to sign, he'd been wanting to sign a female artist. Um, yeah. And I just started touring like crazy um, with him in Europe, opening up for him, signed to his label. Um, his manager, Sandy became my manager. She's been my manager since I was 18. Um, you know, so we've been working together for 22 years now. And it just kind of went from there. Just like, I've always been playing, 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 lots of shows. Incredible. Different it, labels. 
Yeah. What was, what was your first concert that you went to as a it was a it was a kid or teenager? Tragically Hip was my first concert at Canada's Wonderland. Nice. Yeah. So what, what what stands out from that still? The smell of of uh, the smell of ganja. <laughs> just so much i was like what's that what is that like, oh, it's nothing Lovely. yeah tragically hip first show and so how old were you for that 11 okay yeah that was my first concert yeah uh, of course you've had a you know a ton of you know highlights over the years could you nail it down to one career highlight or is that just impossible oh gosh Yeah, I'd need to go through a bank. Like it feels like <sighs> it's almost like it's uh you know, each career highlight is a highlight in its own. Like you you reach that milestone of playing a bigger room or you sold more records or you did a show with this person that's been your hero or Yeah. I feel like, you know, it's it's like in the moment when it happens in the moment. And I feel like one of my biggest career highlights has been has happened really recently where i've played massey hall many times um this was i played a headlining show on april 1st of this year and i felt so present in myself when i was there like normally with something like that i would kind of dissociate or be so nervous that i couldn't even like slow my heart rate down or be where I was. And so a lot of the time when my emotions are really high, um, I don't remember things, right? Because I'm not really there. I'm too nervous mm. and I can't really be grounded and be in myself. And um, I played Massey Hall with William Prince. We sold it out. It was sold out and there was just so much love in the room and I felt like, like I remember the show top to tail and I remember being on the stage and I remember, and just, you know, the honor of being able to play sell out Massey Hall, you know, is, is Matt is amazing. So that's one. And then I guess a, another career highlight was actually just this past, this past weekend. Oh, cool. Where I, I played in, uh, I played at this festival called Bear Creek in Alberta and because I've been touring for so long and the Canadian music world is such a tight kind of community, like after you've been touring for a while, it's like you're friends and family with everybody. And I got to this festival and festivals are my favorite because it's not the you show, it's right. the everybody show. Yeah. And then of it's course you get to watch bands too. And you get to watch fun, bands right? and hang yeah. out and jam with people. Yeah. And there were just so many amazing musicians that I loved and adored for so long, but that were actually all my friends now that I, I felt really close to. And so I was able to kind of be there and be in awe and also know them and love them. And it felt so great, like to be able to, like, I ended up performing with a bunch of my friends. I sang with Rose Cousins, who's one of my all time favorite writers and singers. I sang my favorite song with her. I sang with Blackie and the Rodeo Kings and I've been, you know, I'm family with, with Tom, like he's family. Like I, 
his son's my boyfriend, Thompson. So it was like this family. And then um, I sang with um, Steve Earle. I got up and sang with Steve Earle at the end of the night. And because he had taken me on tour when I was 19, 20 years old in Australia mm. and really took me under his wing and like made sure I was getting home on time, make sure that I was eating and that I was safe, you know? And he actually sang on my new record too. Steve Earle um, did a duet with me. Um, so I have like a duet side of the new album, The Art of Falling Apart. And there's a bunch of different duets I do with people that I love. Steve Earle, Melissa Etheridge, people that I've known for a really long time as well. So I just felt really, really, I did feel like this past weekend was like so much gratitude. Yeah. Um, I had so much gratitude and so much joy. And it was definitely a career highlight just to be able to be there, to really be there too, you know? That's great. Not be like drinking a bunch of beer and like forgetting stuff. Sure. You know, it felt really good. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, th this segue is real nice actually into a, I want to kind of get outside of music for a little bit and kind of, you know, ask some Serena Ryder fan questions from social media. And uh, you, you just mentioned Melissa Etheridge. I guess it, we're not getting out of music necessarily, but Steve yeah. wants to, he goes, Get her to talk about her love of Melissa Etheridge. I found that yeah. like, yeah. So Melissa, um, she's, she's been on this podcast life. before. She's great. Like, oh yeah, what a, what a beauty! What a beauty! Such yeah. a beautiful human, inside and out. And we went on tour together. I was twenty nine, thirty. So I guess it was like eleven years ago. And. It was just after I had gone through a really deep, deep depression. And I jumped on the tour bus with her in, I think it was like Edmonton or something like that. And it was like minus 30 at the time and jumped on the bus with her. And all of a sudden was like, she just welcomed me into her life. And she was such a, such a joy to be around. And I felt like we were family right away. And we became really, really close, me and her and Linda, um, her wife. That was before she was her wife at the time. We just connected like family. You know, when you meet someone, you're like, I know you. Mm -hmm. And like, this is really, really familiar, um, which is so interesting because like my whole career before that, people are always like, you sound like Melissa Etheridge. And, you know, we <laughs> both have this you. raspy big voice and stuff. And yeah. Um, and then, yeah, we ended up just just becoming family, and she really took me under her wing, and uh, we've been friends since then. And you know, I go and visit her and hang out with her, and um, yeah, she's just a kindred spirit, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Serena, I've only got you for a couple more minutes here, so can I just blast off a couple like yeah. uh, quick shots? No problem. Uh, what's the worst job you've had? Craig wants to know. Cleaning cottages for like a bunch of like Americans that came over the border and would just like leave their fish guts everywhere and cigarette and like uh, cigars. Wow. That sucked. Yeah. M Mike wants to know what shows are you binge watching lately? Oh, I'm, I started Portlandia again with my boyfriend and we've been, we've been literally just watching a few episodes every night. So, so good. So good. First celebrity crush. Sophie wants to know. Um, first celebrity cast was Dick Van Dyke in Mary Poppins. <laughs> I is what I is and I be what I be. Uh, and then second was David Bowie. Uh, last question. Do you have a near death story? 
were like, holy crap, I could have yeah, died. Yeah, I was over the Atlantic Ocean um, coming from Paris to go to Toronto. And um, what was it? Rolling, Rolling Stone magazine or something was coming the next day for me to show them around Toronto. Wow. Um, and I was over the ocean and a little girl who had come and sat on my lap like I love kids and so I was like she was like can I come play and I was like yeah she sat on my lap I'm like what's your name she's like Serena which is so strange yeah and I'm like okay wow so is mine like we're, we're drawing pictures and then all of a sudden we hear the captain come over the speaker and say I am sorry uh we have to go back over the ocean uh we have a gas leakage on the plane we have to turn around and go back and so the plane, like we, we turned back around because we were not, ha we were like almost halfway, but not quite. So we had to go back. Wow. So we're going back. And then as we're landing, um, as we're landing, we can see gas spurting out the side where, where the, of the, the wing, you can see like gas spurting out. What? Yeah. And the girl had gone back to her parents. Obviously I was like, I was like, there was a mini me, a child self sitting on my lap. We're in, I'm in a plane, Rolling Stones coming tomorrow. I don't know what's going on. And like people were freaking out. There was a woman in the front being like, I'm going to smoke a cigarette. I don't care. I, I'm just going to smoke now. <laughs> like, like have a last cigarette or something before she goes down. And then the plane's going like, and you can see um, ambulances and, um, and fire trucks and stuff. As we're landing, we landed and then we stayed on the plane for like two hours because it was around the time where like you weren't allowed to just get off the plane or unscheduled landings around 9-11 and stuff. It was years after, but yeah. so we got like another, like a, a thing attached to the side of it and we had to jump out and slide down it. Like oh that. my God, you've done that? Oh my God. Yeah. And then, and then we got, to, we went back, got to Toronto and then they lost all my luggage. I didn't know where my hotel was. Rolling Stone was coming that that next day i had no clothes i had no uh, credit card mm -hmm. at the time and here you are today right. serena thank you so much for taking the time here to join us uh you're easy to find on social media just straight up just your name yeah uh, for sure yeah and then uh, i guess we'll see you on the 13th at uh the clark theater in mission and of course we'll see you online as well I'm so excited. Yeah. Doing a big tour all across the West Coast, though. Very cool. Appreciate your time yeah. today. Have a great day. Okay. Thank okay. you, Todd. The Toddcast Podcast. Follow on Instagram and Twitter at Toddcast Podcast. Hi, it's Jennifer, a founder of the Go Kid Go Network. Do your kids love wacky worlds, superheroes, and inventing? Of course they do. That's why our shows Bobby Wonder and Lucy Wow are set in Pflugerville, the nonstop fun and adventure universe where imagination, creativity, STEM, and positive role models abound. Join the Pflugerville fun by searching for Bobby Wonder and Lucy Wow on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts.